0: morning. We're going to be in Jonah 2 this morning. So if you open your Bible and to the middle and keep going right, you'll end up in the New Testament and know that you've missed it. There are a bunch of little books back there and uh, some bigger ones that you might look for. Our Amos right next to it, and then it goes a few more page turns, and you'll be in Jonah. Uh, Jonah chapter 2. When I was about nine years old, my family went to the beach, and this was something that we normally did. We lived in Rhode Island actually at that time in Massachusetts, and we we would go to the beach and play in the waves, play in the ocean, and one of the things that we do is try to jump over the waves or dive over the top of the waves. And when you do that, sometimes it's it's a lot of fun, and sometimes you just hit that wave wrong, and that wave, those waves are very powerful. So I was sent to the ocean floor pretty quickly, and really caught me by surprise, spun me around, slammed me into the ground there, and I was scared, I was unsure where I was, I was unsure which way was up and how to get there. So while still underwater, I, I wanted to, to be relieved and thought, well, I'm just going to drown here. Obviously, I wasn't. So the Lord delivered me. But I remember thinking that I was going to drown. And this morning, we continue in Jonah 2. Thank you. We continue in Jonah 2, where Jonah has just been thrown over the side of a boat and is now drowning in the ocean, sinking down into the depths. He had it a lot worse than I did. He couldn't stand if he wanted to, and spiritually, probably in a more difficult situation than I was as well. And that's where I'd like us to look this morning, that spiritually, we're in a very difficult place, and a place much like Jonah was in at that point. Perhaps you're an unbeliever. Perhaps you haven't been convicted that Jesus Christ is the only way. Perhaps you're not driven to pray, to learn more about Jesus, and to share your life with other believers. Then this is for you. You have run from God. You have hidden from Him. You have sinned against Him. But He is pursuing you with His mercy, like we talked about last week. And He is your only hope. Jonah was like you. Or are you a believer, perhaps, that has been giving in to sin, disobeying God, ignoring the heart of God and the desires of God, looking to the things of this world for rest and relief and help? This is for you. Jonah was a believer like you who tried to run from God. thought disobedience and comfort and safety were better than what God had in store for him. Jonah was like you. Or are you a believer who is free or at least unaware of the deceitfulness of your heart? This is for you. Jonah was a prophet at work in Israel. He was convicted about the truth of God and his beliefs. He was sure of his good relationship with God. He thought he was on great terms with his neighbors. But Jonah was unprepared to confront his own heart. Jonah was like you. Jonah was like all of us because he deserved death. He didn't deserve the mercy that God was pursuing him with. Jonah was like all of us because God pursued him with that great mercy. In chapter 2, Jonah gives us a psalm of thanksgiving after God catches him with that very mercy. The main idea we'll look at as we go through chapter 2 is God's mercy delivers believers from despair to thanksgiving despite the corruption of the heart. If you look up just a couple verses from chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2, you'll see verses 16 and 17. These happen right after Jonah has been thrown over the side of the ship. And you get the feeling that the original hearers, who wouldn't have known how long the book was, who wouldn't have heard it before, would be thinking, All right, Jonah's overboard. He's probably dead. God told them to throw him over. He's dying. And the narrator or the writer continues to go on with the sailors and how they were saved. For all you know, this might be the end of the book. You know, good lesson, disobey God, get thrown in the ocean, obey God, you're saved and you worship him like the sailors. Could be the end. But during all that time, Jonah is sinking in the ocean. And the surprise comes in chapter, in verse 17 and the lord appointed a great fish to swallow up jonah the hours passed for jonah in the fish and he must have eventually realized that this is how god was saving him it must have been a complete surprise for him because the whole time he had been obstinate folding his arms i at first, I wanted to picture Jonah flailing around in the sea, trying to call out to the sa- to the sailors, you know, all right, the sea's a little calmer now, I'll hoist me back. But I think he was probably folded his arms all the way down, just continued to defy God in any way he could the whole way to the bottom of the ocean. But as he gets there and things start to go wrong, the fish swallows him and he is realizing that he has been saved and in response Jonah composes this beautiful psalm that we'll read this psalm of thanksgiving that made he made it general enough for our lives too so that we'll be able to use this as a psalm of thanksgiving and to use it to confront our own distress and God's own deliverance for us in this psalm we'll see four parts The first is Jonah's distress, then we'll see the Lord's deliverance, then Jonah's thanksgiving, and finally, all of salvation belongs to the Lord. These four, four parts again are Jonah's distress, the Lord's deliverance, Jonah's thanksgiving, and all of salvation belongs to the Lord. Through these four sections, we'll again see our main idea. God's mercy delivers believers from despair to thanksgiving, despite the corruption of the heart, even though our hearts can still deceive us. In verse 2, we see a brief overview of the distress and the deliverance. Jonah summarizes the whole psalm right here. I call out to the Lord, he says, out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Both parts of the verse say the same things, but in different ways to help us understand. This was severe distress. Jonah knows distress like yours. In whatever you're drowning in, Jonah knows, and perhaps knows better, the distress Jonah finally calls out for God for the first time in this book. And God not only heard him, but acted. This is what it means when it says that you heard me, you answered me. Whenever the Bible says things like that, it reminds us of Exodus 2 and Psalm 34, where God is not only hearing, but he's acting at the same time. God doesn't just hear and forget about it, but he acts and he works on what he hears. Verse 3 is the first part. It goes through the beginning of verse 6. And this is where we see Jonah's distress. The drawn out example or the drawn out description of Jonah's distress. I'll read verses 3 through the first part of 6. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. This is the distress brought on by the Lord. In verse 3, for you have cast me into the deep. All your waves and your billows have passed over me. God rightly casts Jonah into the sea, bringing him to this distress, but with good purpose. In Romans 2, we find that God is patient, So that unbelievers, perhaps you're an unbeliever here this morning, may see their distress. That they may see the condition of their lives, the coming judgment, and repent and believe in Jesus Christ. God is patient toward you. If you do not believe in Jesus, then the distress of this life is just another way that God is telling you, that this is your chance to turn from your evil ways, to call out to Jesus to save you and let him rule over your life. Believers, in Hebrews 12, we find again that the Lord appoints this distress. He disciplines, he rebukes, he corrects believers. Because they are his children whom he loves. Be encouraged, believer. The Lord may be correcting you. He may be riding your way through this great distress. It is because he loves you. The Lord may be correcting your way, knowing that your greatest good is to be with him to return to his holy temple, who is his son, Jesus Christ. So repent and remind yourself of what you first believed. God was in Christ, reconciling you to himself. Jonah uses the language of Psalm 42 to describe all the breakers and the waves that the Lord has brought over him. They show how he has been driven away by the Lord because of his sin. He is at the gates of death. The bars, those gates, have closed in on him. He's imprisoned there at the root of the mountains, the very bottom of the sea. He says, I went down to the land whose bars closed over me. He can feel death. Coming for him. If you have not trusted Christ to take the punishment for the evil you've done. And trusted him to guide and rule over your life. Then this is all you can expect. Death is coming for you. No matter how hard you fight, it will come like so many waves in the ocean pounding into you until you sink down, until your lungs betray you and you breathe in that salty seawater, coughing and gasping for air that has long ago slipped out of reach. That is just the beginning of God's punishment for it will be eternal. If you have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, then you have a great hope in the face of this distress. You may feel exactly like Jonah overwhelmed, drowning in darkness and uncertainty. But you have hope. Look at the second part of verse 4. Yet I shall again look on your holy temple. Like Job from Job 19, he says, Yet in my flesh, I shall see God. Despite all the distress of these short 70 years or so, we will see the resurrection. We will see Jesus Christ. Like Ephesians 2 says, He raised us up with Christ so that in the coming ages, for thousands and thousands of years, He might show us the immeasurable riches of His glory in kindness to us. That is our great hope. That when we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing his praise than the hour we've first begun. Some of you are going through Pilgrim's Progress in the uh, Sunday school with us. It's by John Bunyan and we've been enjoying the book and if you haven't been going through it with us you should come in the morning and we'd love to have you again this morning we saw how the burden of sin that the main character is carrying around how it's been weighing him down and how this morning it fell off of him just by itself because he was looking at the cross such was his deliverance. In verse 6, the end of verse 6, we come to our second section, the Lord's deliverance. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Jonah has been down there at the depths of the sea and the fish has just swallowed him. The Hebrew there indicates that he was his, just about to lose consciousness. That his, his mind was beginning to go. That he, he hadn't breathed in so long he couldn't think straight. God's mercy at that point caught Jonah. At the very point that he was going astray. At the very point he was losing his ability to cry out. The Lord removed the distress and delivered Jonah from the oppression and despair he found at the bottom of the ocean. The Lord appointed that great fish to save Jonah's life. The Lord knew Jonah would need to be thrown into the sea. He knew the distress Jonah would experience. He also knew how and when he would deliver Jonah. The same is true for us. The Lord knows when we need to be distressed. The Lord knows our distress and its depths. He also knows when and how to deliver us. Verse 7 tells us what Jonah was doing when the Lord saved him. Verse 7 says, When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. After After all that Jonah had done to go down and away, from the Lord to run from him and how the Lord had turned him over to his own way, think of Romans 1 the Lord turning him over to let him go that way to let him enjoy his disobedience and his callousness and to continue to run the Lord then turns picks him up and brings him back Jonah finally calls out to the Lord. This is the time for you to call out to the Lord too. Call out to the Lord that he might deliver you from your distress. Don't sink any deeper. Don't despair anymore. Don't run anymore. Cry out to the Lord. Pray that he would deliver you. Tell Him you are turning away from your sin and that you will accept His direction for your life instead of your own. Come to Him. Cry out to Him. Verse 8 and 9 give us our next section. Jonah's thanksgiving. They read, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Verse 8 tells us that those who don't know the Lord have no hope of deliverance. No hope. No hope for thanksgiving unless they first leave their idols. If you have not trusted in Christ to remove your punishment, to be your good works. If you haven't trusted him to rule over every part of your life. Then where are you? You need this deliverance. You need, first of all. To abandon the idols of your life, what you seek to make yourself comfortable, what you desire instead of God. No matter what that is, no matter what part of your life it still hides away in. God's mercy is still pursuing you. As we've seen, God's mercy is relentless. That's in fact why you're here this morning to hear these words to hear that there is a hand to open to take you to save you to bring you to that salvation to give you that deliverance god was appointed has appointed a great salvation through jesus christ all you have to do like jonah is cry out cry out to the lord cry out for salvation and then in verse 9, we get that response. Jonah knows that his disobedience deserved death. He knows that the Lord did not have to save him. He is just like us. For we know we deserve death for the sin that we have committed. We know that the Lord doesn't have to save us. But Jonah, like us, is beginning to realize the abundant mercy of the Lord towards those who don't deserve it. We should strive to know and learn and dive deeper into that truth. We should respond in the same type of thanksgiving to the Lord's abundant mercy toward us and others. That's what we need to remind ourselves as we finish out this worship service this morning, if you haven't yet, this is the time to respond in thanksgiving, to remember the great deliverance that's greater than drowning at the bottom of the ocean and being delivered by a fish back to dry land, that this is a salvation that's for forever, that covers all your sins, that saves you by a perfect righteousness and a perfect man who has come to deliver you forever. Forever into a greater and more wonderful place than there has ever been. There's one last section, though. The end of verse 9. It reads, Salvation belongs to the Lord. As Pastor Andy said last week, we are Jonah. Jonah's heart looks very much like our hearts. The Lord has shown Jonah how much Jonah can expect to see from the Lord's mercy. But will Jonah see and hope for the same mercy to be shown to the Ninevites? Our hearts are the same way. We will not be free of sin in this life. Our hearts will continue to deceive us. Our prayers to God to deliver us will never be perfect. Our thanksgiving will never be enough. We will continue, like Jonah, to struggle with our hearts and with our unwillingness to obey. But that's where verse 9 is so important. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The only salvation that exists belongs to the Lord God. and It is the salvation he has given by coming to earth as fully God and fully man, the God-man Jesus Christ. Jesus never disobeyed at any time in his life. But Jesus did suffer greater distress and greater pain And greater agony than Jonah or us, but he did so without sin. In Jesus, we have all the perfect works, all the things Jonah failed to do, all the things we failed to do, Jesus did perfectly. Jesus was even baptized by John the Baptist in a baptism of repentance in order, as he said, to fulfill all righteousness, all good works, so that we could even have perfect repentance, perfect asking for forgiveness. Jesus even asked for forgiveness perfectly for us. And it's a good thing because we could not do that ourselves. He died also suffering the full punishment for sin that we could never endure. Jesus received no mercy, so that we might receive this abundant mercy of God that pursues us. Come to Jesus. Return to Jesus. He has earned mercy enough for anyone, from anywhere, no matter what they have done, to bring them to his side forever, nevermore. Please bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, how clearly it is sometimes that our distress is upon us, how we feel like Jonah drowning in the sea, confused and disoriented set in our ways, bound up in our sin, feeling so far away from Jesus Christ, like we have hit the bottom of the mountains below the sea, the bars of death have closed upon us. Lord, we know that this distress Is a daily thing. It's a daily struggle. That it hits us more and less depending on the day. But that the only way out is through Jesus Christ. Lord, this week is coming. And in it, there is much difficulty. There is much dispre- distress. There is much that you have appointed even for us to go through. We know that your mercy is with us. We know that Jesus Christ has bought and purchased that mercy perfectly. And it will not leave us. That we have called out that you will respond. You will sweep us up in small and great ways. And you will get us through this week because of the strength of your Son, Jesus Christ. How He endured more that we might enjoy to the fullest. Pray, Lord, that we would remember Jonah this week, that we would remember that his ways led him away from you, but that you were hard on his heels, that you had purchased him and despite The corruption of his heart, you delivered him from distress to thanksgiving and were determined to do so again and again. Pray, Lord, that you would do the same with us and for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.